0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young.
1: Hello, this is Hammond Bolden. I hope you're having a fantastic day today. Uh, I'm your guest host, uh, filling in uh, today for Dr. Young on the Transformation for Success show. Now, today we have a fantastic and exciting guest, Mr. Chris Kane. And he is a motivational speaker, professional, and personal advisor. So I'm telling you, you're going to want to really uh, listen in today, call your friends, share the link. Uh, even if you miss it, do the downloading because this show is truly a show you will not want to miss. We have a very interesting topic today, and it's called Free to Have My Own Voice. So get your pens, notebooks, get your uh, uh, You know, paper ready notebooks, as long as you're not driving, of course. (laughs) And we're going to want to hear for Mr. Chris King's story of success. And so, Chris, I just want to thank you uh, for being on the show today. Um, I want to go ahead and share a little information to the dynamic and inspirational man. Chris King is a business coach, as I mentioned earlier. He works with C suite executives, business owners, professionals, athletes, celebrities, and even politicians. In areas such as marketing, branding, public relations, communications, and goal intention setting. And his bio is absolutely too extensive to read, listeners. So uh, be ready to learn from this incredible, intuitive, and compassionate life coach, uh, Mr. Chris King, on sharing how he's helped individuals in times of transition who are feeling stuck. So let's ask you today, are you feeling stuck? Do you sometimes think you're in a rut? And I tend to define a rut as a coffin with both ends knocked out, where you just don't know what to do, where to go. Maybe at a crossroad, do you turn left, turn around, right, go straight. So we're going to hear from him today and giving you some steps, some practical uh, tips to help you navigate through success. Now, in addition to his coaching practice and speaking engagements, he also volunteers uh, for Mankind Project International, and he's going to share a little bit about that project during the show. So stay tuned, folks. This is going to be a show you will want to share with your friends. So anyway, as Transformation for Success show is here each Tuesday at noon on the Empowerment Channel and uh, the um, uh, Women's Channel Friday at noon. And so we invite you to tune in. If you do miss the show live, you can always do the download. We also have iTunes available as well. And if you want to access Dr. Young on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, just pull up her name, at Dr. Barbara Young, and you'll be able to pull her up and see all the great things that she's doing Uh, So we want to thank you for that. Now, each week, the show holds interviews with individuals from all walks of life and professions who share their transformational journeys with you. And the purpose of that is to give you hope and encouragement, to enrich your life, to uh, elevate your life, um, to take those steps of action to transform your life one step at a time, personally and professionally. So also, you are more than welcome to email, Skype your comments or questions about the show. Uh, You can also call in if you have a question for Chris at 866-346-9141. If you're calling international, it's 001-480-553-5754. So listeners, make sure you text your friends, get ready, tune in, and I know you're going to be inspired, enlightened, and uplifted by our program today with Mr. Chris King. So again, welcome, Chris. Welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Thanks, you? Thanks right. so
2: much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm really excited to be uh, to be on the show. You guys are doing such great work, and I'm honored to be a part of it.
1: Well, thank you so much, and we're honored to have you. I know you're busy. a <laughs> busy man. Uh, so anyway, we, you know, without uh, further ado, we just want to jump right on in here, uh, get these folks ready, um, because I know that they're probably chopping at the bit. We <laughs> want to hear your incredible story to share with the listeners today. But first, I want to um, share some interesting things about your early life, Chris. So, so I know you were born in Los Angeles and raised in Santa Monica, right?
2: Yep, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's uh, it, it was a rough a rough time g- growing up in, in such a beautiful, sleepy little beach town. You know,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about those early years and what inspired you to make a choice to live a full and authentic life that you've mentioned in your bio.
2: You know, it, it really, it, it, I can trace it back to an incident in first grade, actually. You know, I mean, I had a very, um, well, I, I guess I would call it a normal upbringing. And I, and I think that's the really, um, the important part of my own personal story is that, it, like, I, I didn't go through a ton of um, really difficult or what I would call difficult challenges. I think my, man, my story is kind of like an everyman story. You know, we've all had our stuff. Um,
1: right.
2: You know, early early on in life, I mean, I, I was raised by two parents who um, whose uh, first child had actually died at the age of eleven. Uh, oh, I was I thirteen that. months old at the time. Okay. And uh, and she was a down child and ended up with leukemia. And so, you know, I, I don't really know what the impact of that was because I don't have anything to compare it against. But
1: sure. Um.
2: So, but, but there was so much love in the household, thanks to my sister Shannon and, mm-hmm. and just my parents. It was really, um, so it was, it was a, obviously a difficult loss in a time of, of great transition there. Um, what really spoke to me about authenticity was an incident in first grade when one of my classmates was having some childhood procedure. I, I don't remember what it is now, tonsils or something minor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the teacher had us make get well cards for her. And being a sweet, sensitive kid, I just wrote, you know, whatever, balloons and got the crayons and all that kind of stuff, and, and I wrote get well and all that, and in the card, I wrote, I love you. Yeah. And it came from a very genuine, authentic, real place. Yeah. And. Unbeknownst to me, the teacher was then going to read all of these cards aloud to the class to just share what everybody was thinking and feeling. And of course, uh, to this day I challenge you to rival the sound of the public shaming from 30 first graders. You know, I mean right. when the words I love you were read aloud. <laughs> it was mortifying. And right. um, so in an instant, I learned in that moment, don't show up. Don't be authentic. Be hyper-concerned about what everybody thinks and how it's going to look. And I spent the better part of my life doing that. I ended up with a career in marketing and PR.
0: Right. And,
2: and, and, uh, and everything felt wrong and off. And one day I heard a great quote from Dr. Robert Holden that said, if it seems like there's something missing from your life, it's probably you. And it's just connected <laughs> right. with me. And right there I knew I had to make some major changes.
1: Oh, man my. well that's that's probably a good segue to the next question um, you know that I had written down. How did you discover what you wanted, and it seems like um with those major changes, what kind of changes did you have to make um, in order to you to get dialed in? as you just said talking about some of that stuff that really had an impound effect on? which is very huge in our society today on what people think, uh, what people believe, what people are saying, uh, as we call it, everyone's opinion. And uh, so tell us a little bit about how you discovered what you wanted to do in life with with everything that went on early on in life.
2: You know, there's what I call puzzle pieces um, throughout my life. And and the way I frame my experience is that as I move through life, I just picked up interesting pieces of information, these puzzle pieces, and, you know, in my 20s, I learned that I really liked engaging with executives and business owners. I was working in hospitality at the time while I was in school, and, uh, and I really liked the business travelers. They just seemed to have a really, I don't know, cool resonance for me. It just seemed to be a place where I could connect.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's just a puzzle piece. It's an interesting piece of information. Okay, great. You know, pick that up and put it in my pocket and carry it with me through life. Um, I, um, and later on in life, I, I had, well, I guess I kind of always knew this. I was sort of born on a soapbox. I mean, I seem to have a talent for getting up and speaking to an audience. Mm-hmm. And while my ego would love to get a hold of that and say, I'm so great. You know, it's it, it just, it, you know, it has nothing to do with that. It's just an interesting piece of information. And so over time, I collected enough of these puzzle pieces to where I started to learn how they fit together and what mm-hmm. that picture started to make. And my life today is a culmination of all of those puzzle pieces.
1: Well, I noticed in, in, that you mentioned in your bio that um, you empower your clients to bring out the best, and then you hold them accountable to it. Just Talk a little bit about how you do that.
2: You know, it really is… Um, getting to the client's authentic way of being, really the things that mean something to them, finding out what are their core values and really bringing those forward into their business, into their career, into their relationships. You know, the, the power of this work is that it has an effect throughout life. So while a business owner may contact me because he wants to you know, improve uh, employee retention, for example, Mm-hmm. That's all well and good, and that having, solving that problem will actually be a byproduct of the work that we do because underneath that employee uh, re- employee retention problem is an issue that's causing that problem. And if we can okay. fix that issue, it has a ripple effect throughout life because how we do anything is how we do everything. So once we fix it at the deeper psychological level then whatever you – know, it's causing this thing at work, but it's also causing this thing at home, and it's causing this thing with friends and with other family members. And so the, the power of this work is that it, it, wherever you start it, it expands all the way out through, through your entire life.
1: Wow. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Now, I wanted to back up and talk a little bit about – I noticed that uh, – because I don't know if this may have had an impact on you, but you mentioned your mom and, and uh, dad. Were involved in community work and a couple of other organizations. Did this give you an impetus for community service as well?
2: Absolutely. My my mother was um, she worked with Red Cross for twenty six years. Um, and all growing up, they they sat on the board for uh, like the Exceptional Children's Foundation and the Special Olympics, and and they were very service oriented and. And I always kind of had that uh, in me, you know, that I, I just assume I inherited from them. It was it always felt better to contribute to something bigger than myself. And I, and I knew that when I was just doing for me, there was there was so much missing, you know, um, and, and I recognized that I could have such a um, such a more Im- uh, such a bigger impact if I could reach beyond, you know, my little self and really find a way to contribute to my, my family, my friends, my community, my city, uh, to really give back. I mean, I, I've, I've certainly had my challenges in life, um, sure. but I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate, and, um, and, and I, I think we're all very fortunate.
1: Amen. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: When uh, you know, did you begin to kind of consider becoming, you know, a coach, and and what transpired to make that happen for you? Was it because of the, like I said, the work that you uh, were involved in, seeing what your family did, your mom and dad? That was
2: a big part of it. I um, I th- I think it really started with my first marriage, actually. My um, My ex wife had bipolar disorder, so I became very well educated on mental illness and, you know, and and psychiatry, psychology, and um, and and it was important to me. And because again, I was I was able to show up in service to something larger than myself. It was in service to another person, but it was also in service to um, my marriage to that person. It was in service to the families that were involved. Um, Right. You know, and, and we spent, um, we spent seven years together and ultimately, it, you know, it, it finally did come apart. But it was such a powerful, um, it was such a powerful way to bring that together and to even separate because there was no animosity. It, it wasn't like a, a bitter, angry kind of separation. It just sort of came to completion. Um, but I think that's probably where it started because I really engaged with, with her and with the family members, kind of in the capacity of coach, and you know, I was as a teenager, I was kind of always my friend's therapist. But as far as ab- having some actual real training, um, you know, that's that's I think where it really began.
1: Right. So I would, I would imagine that that was pretty tough for you. So after the seven years, um, did you have other earlier trials and challenges that you had to overcome?
2: Well, there was. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I think um, I think probably it was around between ages eight to 10. My, um, my parents ended up divorcing. Um, and my grandfather, my parents announced her divorce when, when I was 10 years old, that, that year, my grandfather, who was my best friend in the world, my dad's dad, um, just was everything that, that I think a man should be. I mean, he was, he was a Lieutenant Colonel in in the Marine Corps and he, um, was just tough, and strong, and smart, but he was also incredibly loving, and kind, and gentle, and warm, and, and right. he was so good to, uh, to my sister Stephanie and I, and um, so when he died, and my parents divorced, the, the whole family sort of shattered, and, um, sure. and I spent the next, you know, several years kind of raising myself. I sort of joke about it, that I was raised by a 10-year-old child, because I kind of had to bring myself up from that point, because my parents were both you know, really reeling from from all of the you know their history. So
1: sure. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like mentoring myself at that point. Well, I know that you mentioned on your website, Chris, that you mentioned cognitive personal training. Um, how when did that happen, and what does that mean? I'm pretty sure that I, I mean I'm sure curious. <laughs> cognitive <laughs> personal training.
2: Right, you know, I, <laughs> I appreciate mean, you asking. the
1: reason I'm asking is because I, I was talking with someone, and I went kind of like old story back when in my military career. And uh, I was stationed at Fort McClellan, Alabama, and uh, when it it actually snowed, Chris, for the first time in over 38 years. So what happened is the drill sergeants (laughs) who were supposed to come in couldn't come in because it was snow everywhere. And the drill sergeants that actually remained got a little testy because they wanted to go home to their families. And so they kind of made it miserable for us. And so there was physical personal training that we went through and we were doing push ups and pull ups in the cold and you know grabbing a bar that made your hand stick because it was freezing cold. So anyway, right. I wondered, you know, what cognitive personal training is because that was kind of brutal. I don't know how brutal cognitive personal training is, but tell us a little bit about what that means.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will offer that it can be every bit as challenging, if not more so, than the physical personal training. Um, you? if if you think of um Think of think of your career or your life in terms of physical fitness, right? I mean, if you 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 we're all smart enough to know that if you want to you know be a little healthier, you eat right, portion control, get regular exercise, that kind of thing. But if you really want to become a high performer, if you really want to. Strive to the level of excellence that the real professionals get to, the people that are really committed and serious about it. You go get a personal trainer because they're going to teach you the things that you don't know how to do, and they're going to hold you accountable to it. They're going to make sure you show up. They're going to make sure that you're going to get the return on the investment of your time and, and your energy and your money. Now, cognitive personal training is basically the same thing. Most of the business owners that I work with, they're smart people. I mean, they're very smart, very sharp. And uh, and they perform very well. However, sure. they also recognize that nobody gets to the Olympics by themselves. And when right. they really want to transcend the success that they have already achieved, then it's time to get somebody that can help hone those skills and tap into a deeper knowledge that they don't know they actually have. I never, and this is, this is the funny thing about it, and it seems very backwards, I think, sometimes, but I never tell my clients what to do. I never give them advice, and I never, uh, you know, like, you need to run this marketing campaign or structure your, your corporation this way. None of that is for right. me. They're smart enough. And, uh, and, and you've, maybe if you've heard the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. But quite yeah. frankly, <laughs> you don't know what you do know. And mm-hmm. when you when see C-suite executives, because they, they, they have – the, the, the education, they have the business background. they you know Most of my clients have built their businesses. So if they don't know the answer to something or they can't figure their way out of a problem, it's not because they don't know it. It's because something is stopping them from accessing the knowledge that's in there somewhere. So mm-hmm. my job is to figure out what's blocking them from accessing that information, helping them get it out of the way, and then supporting them through executing what they then know they need to
1: do. Oh wow! I think that's something you also mentioned about feeling stuck. Is that something a part of it?
2: Absolutely. When when these guys get stuck, it's because there is most likely there's some kind of limiting belief or judgment or limited interpretation of reality that goes way back in their. we're talking about 40 something years of programming here. And that's, that's why I say this is a lot harder than, uh, than physical training is because our mental constructs and our mental frameworks are well established. And
0: yeah, you're right.
2: And (laughs) and I have to, you know, and I like to manage my client's expectations up front and I will tell them, uh, you know, on day one, this work is not fun, and it's not easy. It's uncomfortable, it's upsetting, and it requires a a complete change in the way we're thinking. Because as Dr. Wayne Dyer says, you know, change the way you look at things, and the things you look at change. And once that Absolutely. happens, mm-hmm. the synaptic pathways in your brain start to change, and the doors start to open, and the creative solutions start to come in. Start so, to flow, yeah. You know, right. when you look at um, you look at people like. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Walt Disney or Oprah Winfrey, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Ralph Lauren, Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. None of Mm -hmm. these people have college degrees. They were able to access a deeper knowing, and that's why this is uh, what I call empowered, authentic success, because it's authentic to the individual, and that's what makes it sustainable long-term, because it's theirs. They completely own it.
1: I, I I can tell now that 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 work is quite powerful. I mean, and and so how how would you, um, uh, you know, if, if an individual, you know, that might want to know, it's time to contact you. You've got something that you call. What is your call me when? Talk we'll talk a little bit about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the call me when. It, um,
1: my favorite my favorite
2: way to phrase it is call me when you want to take every Friday off and get the same amount of stuff done during the week.
1: <laughs> Good. Okay, listeners, did you hear that? (laughs) If you want every Friday off, yeah, and get and get as much impact work done in four days and five. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, So, what kind of um, what can individuals or your clients expect from engaging you? I mean, I know you mentioned you don't give out advice and so forth, but which I think that's powerful. um, Being able to Mm -hmm. um, cause cognitive change. Um, without uh, it 's like i don 't know if it 's a powerful suggestion, but still you know the cognitive change, and so I, I can tell that you have a way of of influence, and I think that that 's a very good thing to have, um, but how do your clients connect um, and engage with you
2: you know that 's a great question. My clients actually have they have their expectations as far as what 's going to happen at the strategic or what I like to call the tactical level you know mm-hmm. they, they expect uh, performance improvement. They expect their efficiency to go up. They expect uh, whatever whatever the pain point is they're experiencing to go away, whether that's, you know, I want to grow my business 20% or I need to, uh-huh. I need to trim the fat. I need to, um, you know, work with uh, employee relations. They expect all that to change. But right. the, my little secret is that this work is really Machiavellian in that All of that stuff is going to happen as a byproduct of the work we do because, again, this is much more psychology than it is business strategy. So what ends up happening is that we get really underneath what the problem is and deal with the issues that are causing it. And, you know, another favorite quote of mine is, how you relate to the issue is the issue. And so that's where we're actually going to do the work. So while they come to me, with their list of things that they expect, um, mm-hmm. we get much, much deeper into it. And I don't think I have ever had a client come come out of uh, engagement with me without saying they got so much more of this than they expected. Um, you know, I have a client that works at um, one of the big four accounting firms, and mm-hmm they've been kind of chewing up some of their higher level staff and spitting them out. And, um, and, and this, this person was one of them. And after six months with me had a complete turnaround and that turnaround not just happened at work, but how they were relating to their staff, Mm -hmm. their, their team's performance was improving. And, uh, and, uh, my client's relationship at home in marriage with kids partnership. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that had a massive change, and, uh, and it was their boss that actually came in and said, what was the turnaround? What happened to you? How were you able to go from having a foot and a half out the door to being one of our highest performers? And it was because, you know, the client indicated, well, I started working with this coach. And, um, and so, the, but the shifts, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't say enough, and I, I, I hesitate to say it because it sounds like I'm overselling, but I'm really not. The shifts right. are so massive and so widespread, it is life-changing. It is career-changing. Career and mm. it really does completely shift how the individual relates to themselves, relates to everyone else in their life, and relates to, to, to the world. And they show up in a completely different way.
1: Well, I like that uh, that quote that you you use quite frequently when you said you don't know what you do know, and I kind of pondered on that, and I guess you know again you're tapping in on the inner. Um, there's pretty much solvable solutions, creative ideas, witty inventions that are already in there, as you mentioned earlier, naming a few people who've uh, you know achieved tremendous success uh, without college degrees. And I think that's, that's very hopeful for listeners to know. Uh, not knocking education, definitely go get that if that's what you need to be doing. But um, just to, those who don't have one, just to let you know, um, definitely getting involved with a cognitive personal trainer that can help you navigate and unlock uh, some things that have been going on that, uh, as you just explained with this one person – that everything in their whole life has changed. I think that's powerful. Uh, well, you know Chris, what, well and another- I
2: really appreciate you highlighting that because it's true. I cannot tell you how many people have, have come into the limiting belief that because they don't have this education or they don't have that or they didn't go there or they didn't do this, that they can't have what they want. And they have been telling themselves that lie for so long, and they've completely bought into it, and it's completely mm-hmm. untrue. It, completely untrue. Anybody that's sitting there right now without that degree or certification and and been saying that that's the reason why I can't have what I want, it's a lie.
1: I heard that. Well, you know what, folks? We're going to take a quick break at the end of that. uh, Don't believe that lie. You can achieve success. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break, come back with this dynamic speaker, Mr. Chris King. Uh, This is Hammond Bolden sitting in with Dr. Young, and we will be back shortly, so don't go away. Stay tuned. (music)
2: career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice
0: America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
1: Uh, guest co-host on behalf of Dr. Young, Mr. Hammond Bolden, and I am sitting in here with Mr. Chris King. Uh, Awesome, awesome man that has been doing some great things, uh, and I'm telling you listeners, if you just now tuned in, uh, man, definitely get this download. Some very powerful stuff that uh, Chris and I have been sharing. Uh, some steps that uh, we believe uh, are action steps that will really truly transform your life, uh, both personally and professionally. So what we're going to do, Chris, is we're going to uh, you know, pick up where we left off. We talked a little bit about some things about some people feeling like you got to have this, you got to have that, and it kind of made me think about, you know, with the Olympics that are going on uh, currently now, and I've been noticing uh, I saw a 14-year-old girl, or she may have been a younger. She was the youngest Olympian in the doggone Olympics, and mm-hmm. she's a swimmer, and she did she phenomenally did well and won her race. Um, she won the heat, but she didn't win the finals, but it, again, it just showed me uh, it's, it's really not about – you know, maybe how educated you have to be. Um, I think there's some stuff that I, I'd like maybe to ask you, what simple things do you think uh, folks can do um, to possibly improve their quality of life um, and, you know, being able to navigate to some tough uh, places where we, you talk about being stuck? You
2: know, great question. There, there, there are some things that, that seem so simple that people will, will brush right past them and, and poo-poo the idea thinking it's, it's actually too simple, and it's mm-hmm. not. Um, the the first thing you can do that will guaranteed to improve your life from the day you start to doing it is, is use a uh, have a gratitude journal every mm-hmm. day, and it doesn't have to be a big long like journal entry. You can just write a sentence or two of things that you're grateful for that day. Right. It it instantly changes your brain. It it changes the brain chemistry. And you start to relate to the world differently. Gratitude journals—I I can't say enough about it. It's so easy and so—and—and and, and takes almost no energy. And I guarantee anybody that is listening to this has is doing so through some form of technology, which means they have something to be grateful for. I, I guarantee it. Yes. So right. I, <laughs> gratitude is number one. The the other thing is okay. um is meditation. And I know a lot of people will roll their eyes on it, but you give me four minutes of meditation and I'll change your life. And I'm not even kidding about that. Um, The the difference, and I'll I'll help with this a little bit, because some people say, oh, I can't quiet my mind and and I don't know how to meditate. It's, It's not about quieting your mind. It's just about noticing the thoughts that are coming and going and just letting them come and go. You don't have to be completely dead silent in your head. I understand that that's a very difficult thing to achieve. But if you just kind of sit mm-hmm. there and notice the things that you're thinking about, oh, okay, I'm thinking about that thing at work. Okay. Now let that go. Oh, okay. I'm thinking about my wife. Okay. Now let that go. Oh, I'm thinking about my car. Okay. Now let that go. Just kind of notice the thoughts that are coming and going. You give yourself four minutes of that quiet time in your mind. Um, you'll start to see shifts in just your awareness throughout the day.
1: Um, and that's favorite uh, what would thing you, and you recommend, that? you recommend about four minutes, you said?
2: Just to start, because people, it's such a small thing, but um, here's here's where I'll share with you um, how this is kind of Machiavellian, right? So, yeah, Yeah. I'm saying, give me four minutes, and it's meditation, and this is what it's going to do, and all this, that, and the other. But here's what's happening at the deeper level. If you've made a commitment to give yourself those four minutes, what you have then done is that you have told your brain, I am important, this is my time. This is non-negotiable, and you start telling yourself subconsciously that your agenda is important, that your intentions are important. You start telling yourself mm-hmm. that you are supporting yourself in your intentions, that you are being self-honoring, that you are holding and establishing and holding your boundaries. This right. is deep-level stuff for four minutes. Yeah, that is. You know, and, it's, okay. and you don't realize you're doing it, but you are. And so what happens is the more that you engage in this kind of thing, you'll start to notice that you're holding your boundaries out in the world. When you're not meditating, you're just, your boundaries are a little better. You have a little bit more intention. You're a little more self-honoring. And all of this stuff is because you gave yourself four minutes in the morning.
1: Wow. Powerful. So that's step number two. What else do you have?
2: You know, I, I actually have my favorite thing. This is, this is, Yeah, this is probably one of my my favorite easy things uh, to to just go through whenever dealing with a problem, a challenging situation, any level of upset that you're experiencing. What I tell people is Mm -hmm. this, forget about it. And that's that's actually actually an acronym, P-H-G-I-T, forget about it. Now, um, the P uh, stands for problem or puzzle. Most of the time when we're upset about something, we're looking at it as a problem. And most of the things that we're calling problems aren't problems. They're just puzzles. A problem is being homeless. A problem is chemical dependency. A problem is serious illness or injury. Those are problems. Yes. Yes. You know, most things in life are just puzzles. puzzles. Even when they're emotionally charged, like divorce or something like that, the puzzle becomes how do I move forward in the way that is going to serve my highest intention? Right. And if we look at it like a puzzle instead of a problem, it takes a lot of the weight out of it, and we can actually think a little more clearly.
1: You know, speaking uh, of puzzles, uh, that was something I did as a kid growing up. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> my parents did uh, well. I know a lot of um, uh, uh, te- te- technical giants and some of these folks that are, you know, into uh, Netflix and all these other telling people to cut the cord. Well, anyway, my parents cut. Our TV cord, uh, and I was without TV, Chris, for three years. And so oh, wow. I learned as a young child at nine years old to learn how to play, uh, learn how to be creative, did puzzles, built model airplanes, built an aircraft carrier. I mean, there were different things that I learned, but puzzles, man, I'm telling you, that was one of the greatest things I loved because, you know, we'd get the puzzle, you'd set out the different colors, okay, you look mm-hmm. at the box, you look at the box, mm-hmm. kind of, okay, color green, brown. Dark brown – I mean, you separate the, – and then you just start putting those pieces together. And it was a family thing that we'd all do uh-huh. on a card table. So I, I enjoy that analogy uh, that it's not about a problem uh, because you mentioned what, what, really what problems are, but it's a puzzle we can solve. I love that. Right,
2: and people I love, love solving puzzles. You know, We love yeah. coming up with the solution. So the next part of that is the H is happening. What is happening right now, and that's getting really present in the moment. You know, people get twisted up in what already happened or what might happen. And if we can release what already happened and forget about what might happen, and just deal with what is actually happening, then mm-hmm. again, it takes a lot of the weight out of it, and we can start coming up with some solutions. Awesome. Um, the G is gratitude. So you know, the the forget about it. We're up to G. P H G is gratitude. Again. Got it you'll instantly improve any situation by putting yourself in a place of gratitude.
1: Being grateful, Um, yes, absolutely.
2: I, Yeah, absolutely. I is intention. What is your intention? You know, what is it you want to create? What is it you want to have happen? Mm -hmm. And then T is thoughts. What are the thoughts that are supportive of that intention? Because, like, let's say, you know, you, you have a sales job and you lost a huge account, you know, a few million dollars a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. If your thoughts are, oh, I'm a terrible salesperson or, oh, I really screwed up, well, your intention is most likely going to be to get another account or to rebuild business. Those thoughts are not in alignment with that intention. So you got to make sure that you have the thoughts that are in alignment with what you're really trying to do. So in any situation, instantly improve it. Forget about it. P-H-G-I-T. I I guarantee Mm -hmm. everything shifts.
1: Wow. Forget about it, folks. That's right. Forget about it. Forget about it. i tell you, that's, that's, that's an awesome thing. I'm pretty sure folks will be able to write those things down. We'll probably reemphasize them at the end of the show. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you too, Chris, um, what did you love about being in front of an audience you was, know, it's, there's it's, an
2: energy about that. I, I I'm not even quite sure how I can describe it. I I um, there was a time when when my ego got a hold of it, and it was and and that's the place the the, the construct that I was coming from. But as my own uh, personal and spiritual evolution continued, I recognized that this just seemed to be a way I could serve, and I seem to be able to connect with people when I'm up there, and. Um, <laughs> And I don't know, there's, there's something about everybody coming together, and there's something about lifting each other up right. and, and releasing our judgments where we're, you know, condemning each other, wronging each other, should this, shouldn't that, and blah, blah, blah. And we just all come together in this kind of, um, really uplifting way where, where we recognize our connection and relationship to each other. Even if we're total strangers, we're all connected you know, in the energy of the universe. And sure. so to, to really bring ourselves to that, that place um, mm-hmm. is just so – it's so much fun. I, I, I don't even know how else to describe it.
1: <laughs> well, what did you have to overcome, if, if, if you even did, to be able to get on stage? As you know, I've heard the number one fear – you definitely I'm pretty sure you can concur with this, is speaking in front of people. That's been one of, I think, noted as one of the most common fears for people is mm-hmm. being able to stand and talk in front of people. So how mm-hmm. did you overcome that uh, to be able to get on stage and talk about different things?
2: You know, that is a great question. Um, what I recognized at some point is that I um, – I I used to want to get on stage and and make it perfect. It had to be perfectly scripted, and I had to make sure that I said this that way, and I said this this way, and I hit that joke just right, and it came off all perfect. And every time I got off stage, something felt wrong. Something felt really off about it, and I couldn't figure it out. And what I recognized is that it wasn't authentic. It wasn't real. Uh It was crafted and scripted and I had to give a speech. Um, I remember when I gave a speech that I just decided I, I, I don't want to do this this way anymore. I had to do another speech, like this, the same speech, like two days later. And, and I had to go on stage about 10 o'clock in the morning. And at 9.15, I was in the building, and I recognized I can't do it. I just can't do it. And so I grabbed a pen, and I wrote five bullet points down on my hand.
0: Mm-hmm. And...
2: From those five bullet points on my hand, I <laughs> delivered that speech. And it was completely different. My, my body language was different. My energy was different. The, my word choice was different because it was me. It was real and it was authentic. And I connected with the audience in a way that I had never seen or <sighs> done before in my life. Because what happened was when, when you show up authentically... Yes. you give permission f- for other people to do the same thing and they drop the pretense and they and they just allow themselves to be and them being who they really are allowing me to share with them who i really am mm-hmm. it connects that's why the sales pitches don't work anymore we're too smart for that we know right. when we're being sold and we don't like it but yes. when somebody really shows up and says hey, this is it, this is real, that's when we really, we really connect and it resonates. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, um, that Apple Computer is able to do so well. They connect their products with, a, with their audience's core value system and this is where the rubber meets the road if you can take your product or service and connect it to your client's core values and who they really are
0: mm-hmm. then
2: you have established a relationship that no sales pitch can ever undo. can ever right ever and 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 the cool thing is they feel better you feel better and and you have made that relationship
1: you know lifetime and it, lifetime. and it's You're right it,
2: it's so much better than than trying to you. sell somebody something.
1: <laughs> so I love that that authentic, being genuine and authentic. And you know, for those who are listening, who might even be in the motivational arena, or those who might even be considering, um, I think that is probably a huge step in definitely working that. Forget about it, but being very authentic and genuine about your message. Uh, of hope or your message that you want to convey. And I think once uh, we're able to get through that, that authenticity, and it reflects... And it lets others see that to see, you know, one thing that a friend of mine used to tell me years ago is we all live in glass houses. At least we should. Uh, all we just mm-hmm. have to tell people is keep your rocks in your pockets, you know. But, <laughs> 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 but I'm an open book. So, it, you know, being genuine and being authentic pretty much is, is really what uh, I, I as well uh, tend to preach and practice in my life is being open and transparent with people. Well, mm-hmm. Chris, you know, what I wanted to talk a little bit about you got a free gift that you mentioned on your website. Uh, why don't you tell the folks what that title is and what's it entail?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, thanks for mentioning that. There's, um, I, I wrote this piece called "The 18 Reasons You Don't Have What You Want and How to Get It." And you can download it from my website. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's no charge or anything like that. Uh, you just enter your email address and I'll send it to you. And but, but there really are, um, you know, about. And, some of them are, are sort of subdivisions of the others, but, but I can guarantee you that if you think of something that you, that you really want and you don't have, you will find some combination of these things and you'll, you'll start to figure out, this is really why I don't have it. You know, people say, well, I don't have money. You know, I can't afford it, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and that's a dangerous position to, to keep yourself in because when somebody says, I sure. can't afford it, that, mm-hmm. that's two things. That, that, that statement goes on forever. You know, I can't afford it. it it's everlasting, right? Um, the right. other thing is that that's, that's a victim mentality. That's a victim construct of the mind where, you know, oh, if I can't afford it, it's like this thing is happening to me. I don't have what I need. But if we right. flip this around a little bit and take and, and go from a place of victimization to a place of empowerment, say, you know what? I haven't budgeted for that yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that's
2: a totally different way to hold it because now you've left the future wide open to anything you want, and you've put yourself in the driver's seat.
1: Very good. Now, you know, I wanted to mention a question um, about how you got started, and what, who who were your mentors, um, folks that you looked up to that were able to help you uh, get to where you are today?
2: You know, that that's a great question, because I resisted mentors and teachers all my life. I was so recalcitrant and just, um, just rebellious, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going through, going through, I, I'm, I I think I'm uniquely qualified to help individuals and companies go through times of difficult transition because like I said, I was born and raised on the Upper West side of Santa Monica, beautiful mm-hmm. neighborhood, very affluent and very nice. Um, I've also spent a, a time in my life when I went from making a really nice salary to making $12 an hour part-time trying to survive. And I will tell you that that requires some creative solutions that really sure. <laughs> requires, the, you know, cause, and I felt like a big loser. I was like, Oh my God, I'm such a loser. And it's like, I had to let go of the judgment so I could get out of my own way. Um, sure. At one point I was homeless and living out of my car, a uh, very uncomfortable place for, mm-hmm. you know, a man that, you know, has had a, had a pretty comfortable life. Um, right. So, so it was a real it was a real challenge, and that came with um, just a lot of anger and victimhood, and and I had to move through all of that crap to really start to achieve success. And and there was a program that I went through. Um, I did a I did a program in spiritual psychology actually, and my instructors there were really. Um, Instrumental in helping me hone my natural aptitudes and the things that I had learned, and really helping me put these things into practical application. And um, and I tell you, there's there's a, a just a list of books that I have that I consider um, you know required reading to be a human being. I mean, you know. The, the Untethered Soul from Singer. Um, there's uh, Think <laughs> and Grow Rich. You know, there's um, sure. Doctor Wayne Dyer. There's uh, you know Miguel Ruiz. There, you know, there's a whole list of stuff. Um, Iron John. I think if you if you are a man or if you're raising a man, read Iron John. It, it's you know by Robert Bly. It's um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know so there's. I, I think but again and I and what I love about reading is that I get to integrate that into my authentic way of being as opposed to you know just um you know kind of being spoon-fed something I guess.
1: Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> well if if you were looking back over your life Chris is there uh anything that you would change?
2: Yeah. <sighs> That's a slippery slope. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can certainly look back and say, well, I'll tell you this much: I don't deal in hypotheticals, and I'll tell you why, because I don't actually know what I would do in any given situation until I'm sure. actually presented with that situation. Presented and we it, love sure. to think, we love to think that we know what we would do, but we don't. <laughs> and and to look back and say, well. I made this mistake or I should have done this. I have no visibility on that. They say hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's absolutely not. You have, you know, you live in a vacuum. You, you cannot say with any degree of certainty, what would have happened if, and so I, I, I don't, you know, just philosophically, it goes against me. It, it goes against my own epistemology to say, Oh, I would change this. There are certainly things that I look back on and go, yeah, that was not a good I, idea.
0: <laughs>
2: but, uh, but ultimately, you know, I am where I am, and um, and I'm I'm just on my path like everybody else, and and so you know, who's to say what I should or shouldn't have done?
1: Absolutely. Well, what were some of the principles or uh, keys that you may have learned that you're putting into action uh, that's kind of propelled you into the success where you are today? Do you have a couple of things you want to share?
2: Yeah, you know, there's um, there's a couple of things that that I I think everybody absolutely needs to know is that whatever the question is, whatever the problem is, whatever the stuckness or the struggle is, you have the answer. It's in there somewhere.
0: Right. And,
2: you know, the, the thing about these problems, while we would love to wish them away, there really are only two themes in the human condition, struggle and progress. And struggle is necessary, for progress. So while it's uncomfortable and we feel like it sucks, um,
0: <laughs>
2: it's necessary. We need it. And so, and you were a military man, so you'll know this one, embrace the suck, you know, <laughs> just embrace the suck, recognize it's part of the process. And absolutely, without a doubt, um, as Brenda Bouchard says, you know, I believe in my ability to figure things out. And because it's in there. You absolutely have the ability to figure things out, whatever it is. I guarantee you, you have the ability. All you need to do is believe in that ability,
1: and you will find it. Oh, wow. So tap within. <clears throat> well, folks, you know what? I'm telling you, this is uh, some awesome things. I'm sure, Hope, you had a chance to write some things down. We're talking you know, with the amazing, uh, powerful man, Mr. Chris King, who's sharing some very good insights. And remember, too, he's got… Some really uh, powerful uh, things available for you on his website called "18 Reasons Why You Don't Have What You Want and How to Get It." And a nice caveat. So yeah, not only we're gonna you know be able to see what those reasons are, what we don't have, but we're gonna learn how how to get it. I think one of the most powerful two words put in any search engine, which I've heard, is "how tos." Everyone wants to get a how to, Chris. They want to how to you know boil an egg, how to. You know, uh, create this, how to do this, how to do that. I mean, I even do it quite often is how to, you know, how to do something. And I think that's uh, very good and authentic that you're not only pointing out a reason in someone's life, but you're also providing them with a solvable solution that they can engage in and get results. Absolutely.
2: You know, yeah. and a lot of times when, when somebody will say to me, well, this is, this is the reason I don't have it or this is the reason I can't do it. I'll just ask him, yeah. is that your reason or your
1: excuse? Excuse. Most
2: of the time, it's our
1: excuse. <laughs> you know what a friend of mine defined an excuse as? <laughs> What's that? Cr- crutches for the uncommitted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's, it, and, and there's something to that because it really does boil, boil down to accountability. You know, I mean, if you really want something, you'll do the work. You'll embrace the suck. You'll go for it. Otherwise, it's not really a goal. It's just a preference, you know? And if you really want it, you can have it. It's just a question of if you're willing to really do what you need to do.
1: Do the work. And I think that's probably – Do the work. I think that's a DTW acronym, I think. Do the work. I think I may have to work <laughs> on that and put that somewhere. <laughs> do the work. Well, folks, we're getting ready to wind down in the show, and, and uh, I just really, really had a great time with you, Chris. And as we've learned uh, from you, you know, you've know, you shared some very thought-provoking uh, things that we can definitely put into place, uh, mention there 's many circumstances that can occur you know in our lives to change your direction and finding your purpose, and all the answers anyone ever needs you mentioned successfully navigate any situation in life in which you find yourselves or within you, so listeners remember that it 's within you it 's not a question of learning what to do it 's a question of accessing the information, and Chris uh, is the man, says it's quite frequently that you don't know what you do know, and yes, he says, I'm free to have my own voice, and I'm using it to change lives, so Chris, we want to thank you so much today uh, for being on the show, we love you, we appreciate everything that you're doing, keep doing it, and folks also, he has a website at chrismking.com that you can go through and take a look at some stuff and get that download on 18 reasons why you don't have what you want. Did. I it. I know I'm going to download it. Anyway, I Just again, Chris, thank you for being on the show today. And uh, oh, if Thank there's you any, uh, so much. Like-
2: so much gratitude. What? I appreciate the opportunity. Uh,
1: thank you so much, Chris, and I know the listeners have truly enjoyed uh, the show today with you, and so we want to thank you again for your insightful words and also sharing your story uh, and your journey. Uh, so, folks, we thank you for tuning in as Dr. Young always closes the show. Um, Until next week, uh, there'll be a powerful show that Dr. Young will be here with another interesting show and guest. Uh, So until next week, this is Mr. Hammond Bolden of Transformation for Success signing off. So be blessed, keep well, and be forever transformed.